But all the all the broadcast uh, uh, media can do to give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious. Bite-sized and ready to eat. It's made with real egg formula. And here's a nice-looking record package in from New York. I woke up this morning with broadcasting on my mind. WCBN. America's ace of the airwaves. This instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate. And we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. And believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at Trenton. WCBN FM. Ann Arbor. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. A very pleasant, peaceful feeling. You relax deeper and deeper each downward count of my voice, 10. Relaxing deeper, 9. Letting the body gently begin to sink deeper, 8. 8.3. Yes, it's like a push-button radio, you see. 24 hours a day. Whether you like it or not, Oh, we're limited to a 500-mile radius now, but we're working to extend that limit.
how this war coverage and the understanding that the American people have of the Iraq war is actually declining. Uh, this, by the way, in an election year. This is shocking stuff. And Valley Forge, of course, is in reference to the American Revolution um, and Iwo Jima to World War II. Um, I think that all Americans can accept that both of these wars were necessary historical events. Uh, and we need not go over some of the historical differences between these two wars and the current wars that the military is engaged in. So I take great offense uh, for the president uh, to somehow compare um, these wars uh, to World War II and the American Revolution. And I also take great offense uh, when he associates war with quote, freedom, liberty, these were words that he used uh, interchangeably, and quote, our way of life. Um, war must never become part of our way of life. Um, this, of course, is a coded propaganda phrase uh, that's somehow used to justify what we're doing. Recently, uh, the Columbia Journalism Review uh, the May-June edition, the most recent edition, has some hard numbers. They have a little section in the front uh, of this particular uh, edition. And I wanted to read a couple of these things. They have a, th These are sort of similar to Harper's Index uh, factoids. Um, they report that in February of 2007, 21% of news coverage was devoted to the Iraq War. In February of 2008, it was 3.1%. Now, obviously, with a presidential election in session, uh, one can explain away that, uh, that difference uh, to some degree. But they continue uh, with this rather remarkable fact. In 2007, 55% of adults in America correctly identified the rough number of U.S. personnel killed in Iraq since 2003, given a choice between 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, or 5,000. In 2008, this had declined to 28%. That's shocking. And, of course, in 2007, the correct number was 3,000 and some odd hundred, approaching 4,000. And uh, by now, it's, it's well over 4,000. And I understand that another uh, troop died today in Iraq. In today's New York Times... David Carr, in his section called The Media Question, has an interesting analysis um, in which he actually cites this particular study that was part of the Project for Excellence in Journalism, Journalism's News Coverage Index, which uh, is conducted by the Pew Research Center 
and indeed they were a source for this uh, these numbers that I just gave from the uh, May-June edition of the Columbia Journalism Review. And David Carr writes, given public indi indifference to a war that refuses to end, perhaps a third statue should be added, America at peace with being at war. He writes, according to the Project for Excellence in Journalism's uh, News Coverage Index, coverage of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan has slipped to 3% of all American print and news broadcast as of last week, falling from 25% as recently as last September. In other words, this is a slightly different statistic that he's citing. Um, last year was the bloodiest in the five-year history of the conflict with more than 900 dead. And last month, 52 perished, making it uh, the bloodiest month so far this year. So far in May, 18 have died, and I heard today, unfortunately, that another one did. Carr continues, television news, uh, network news coverage in particular, has gone off a cliff. Citing numbers provided by a consultant, Andrew Tyndall, the Associated Press reported that in the months after September, when General David Petraeus testified before Congress about the surge, collective coverage dropped to four minutes a week from 30 minutes a week in September of 2007. It's also pointed out that Katie Couric, the uh, CBS embattled anchor, went to Iraq to report the story. She and her network were rewarded with their lowest ratings in over 20 years. Needless to say, I don't watch too much CBS anymore either, but I think that that is a, a relatively accurate reflection of this troubling development. And what it makes it more alarming to me in terms of the awareness of the American people's understanding of, for instance, the correct thousand number in which uh, casualties have occurred since 2003, is that this is occurring in the midst of a presidential election in which the Iraq war is cited repeatedly uh, in virtually every state across the country as one of the top three issues, um, either one or two or very rarely third. Uh, of course, the economy has overtaken um, war coverage uh, as well as the presidential election from the media's perspective because it continues to go into the tank. And I want to give Henry Paulson, Secretary of Treasury, a brain damage award for suggesting last week that uh, long-term America's economy looks quite good and we're just going through a bumpy patch here. Uh, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but uh, he specifically said long-term things uh, look quite good. In fact, it's really just the opposite. Uh, last week, by the way, was the first time uh, in American history that gasoline prices uh, have been over $4 a gallon um, in many, many states. There are a few states uh, where this is not the case, but uh, we've certainly seen that here in Ann Arbor, uh, $4 a gallon. And uh, this, of course, comes several months after the president 
denied even being aware that gas was had been uh, at four dollars when in fact it went over four dollars a gallon uh, last fall in places in California California has more expensive gas because of the clean air um, standards that the state has imposed on uh, you know the mix of the petro of the refined gasoline uh, has to be cleaner in terms of uh, pollutants than other states. Uh, hence, their gas is more expensive uh, than, say, Kansas City, Missouri. But uh, this four dollar a gallon um, mark is, I think, an interesting turning point, perhaps in American history. Uh, we we heard uh, recently that Ford is going to shut down an SUV plant for five weeks. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, on top of earlier moves to cut productions. That's a uh, that's a shocking number of weeks to furlough auto workers. Uh, of course, the positive side of that is that Americans are rapidly beginning to abandon the SUV. Uh, which we drove for far too long. And uh, needless to say, by the way, on the profit side of the automobile industry, this is very dismaying both for Ford and GM because their profit margins are considerably higher with SUVs and large pickups as compared to passenger cars. But um, when you begin looking at the consequence of, uh, of this $4 gasoline, we're finally... Uh, beginning to see a um, impact on miles driven uh, in uh, Saturday's uh, New York Times, uh, a rather interesting addition because of all of the <laughs> political uh, developments that occurred on Friday, including the John McCain health care document dump and uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, awkward comments about Bobby Kennedy, uh, which we can get to in a second. Jod Muad and Maria Navarro, uh, in a very interesting article, show some important statistics about uh, a point being kind of reached recently in which miles driven have finally gone down. Um... They have two graphs showing the price of gas uh, since 2000 um, and the miles driven. And, of course, both are on very, very huge upward slopes. Um, essentially, the number of miles driven over that eight-year period went up about uh, mm, 10% is, is a good ballpark figure. Despite the fact that, uh, as the chart shows, gasoline uh, that was selling in 2003 before the Iraq War at about $1.40 a gallon is now more than gone up by a factor of two and a half, almost three times. The Transportation Department reported on Friday that in March, Americans drove 11 billion fewer miles than they had in uh, March of 2007, a decline of 4.3% since 
It is the first time since 1979 that traffic has dropped from one March to the next and that the month-on-month percentage decline is the largest since records uh, began back in 1942. That's interesting. Uh, They continue that typically gasoline sales rose before Memorial Day weekend, but gasoline sales dropped nearly 7% last week compared with the same week in 2007. On Friday, gasoline prices reached yet another record, a nationwide average of nearly 3.88 a gallon. That figure was up 4 cents in one day and 65 cents higher than at this time last year. Should hasten to add by the way that that's just based on averaging prices around the country. Uh, of course, gasoline is much more expensive in Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and our big states where uh, many Americans reside, including Michigan and undoubtedly in Florida. Um, More on them in a second. Every one-cent increase in gasoline means that Americans pay $1.4 billion more a year for gas. Now, if you think about that, that's a staggering number. Uh, since it's gone up uh, 65 cents in the last year. You know, you can do a a little math there and see that that's $100 billion more that Americans are paying for gas. And we've recently seen very impressive profit numbers from Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, Texaco, etc., that reflect uh, billions and billions to quote the famous Carl Sagan. And finally, interestingly, Americans spend 3.7% of their disposable income on transportation fuels. At its lowest point, that share was 1.9% back in 1998, and its highest since 1981, when it was uh, 4.5%. And needless to say, the article reflects that... uh, we're paying roughly uh, adjusted for inflation about what uh, people were paying back in uh, the early 80s uh, in response to the uh, Iranian uh, situation and, and, and whatnot. Um, so I think that this is a very interesting turning point in the week. The article, by the way, notes that France has uh, pays $7.70 a gallon And I heard an analyst recently note that in Britain they spend about $10 a gallon. Britain, by the way, exports oil. Um, They don't need to import oil, but uh, they tax their oil heavily uh, to pay for national health care, something that we have not done. And needless to say, this is, of course, having an impact on all sorts of uh, uh, other uh, inflationary pressures, there was an article that I saw recently of some pro- uh, protesting truck drivers who uh, basically were paying $650 for a fill-up with diesel. If you can imagine spending that kind of money to fill up your rig and where you have to go, 
you get the idea. Well, anyway, this uh, development, I believe, is going to require massive changes in uh, how we organize our energy uh, here in America, our energy economy, as well as our transportation economy. Um, hopefully, they'll, they'll uh, realize that we must put more uh, money and subsidies, if that's uh, what you want to call it, into tr railroad uh, traffic. Of course, railroads require fuel, too, but I'm sure that they are much more efficient than uh, big rigs. And uh, obviously, people are going to make changes in their behavior. Uh, this article, for instance, cites, just as an example, they quote a variety of people from around the country as to changes and things that they're doing. Um, but uh, they write, for many people, higher costs, energy costs, mean fewer restaurant meals, deferred weekend outings with family, less air travel, and more uh, staying closer to home more. We should see that, and I think we've seen that this weekend. Uh, George Bush, of course, uh, has not addressed uh, all of the reasons that there uh, have been increases in oil prices, but uh, just in some bad news that happened today, there was yet another attack in Nigeria on the pipelines there by rebels. And, of course, the Nigerian rebels that are attacking oil pipelines in Nigeria have grievances with the American oil companies that uh, don't want to share the wealth. And we've heard uh, recently in the campaign, presidential campaign, uh, various uh, arguments made that we need to start drilling in Alaska. And there's even talk of drilling near Florida. I think that's crazy, uh, an oil disaster uh, in the Gulf of Mexico offshore near Florida would could prove to be catastrophic, and I think there are solid reasons for why we don't drill uh, in uh, Florida. Incidentally, the debate about Alaska and Anwar is a red herring because it would take, uh, I think I've heard from experts, almost seven years for any oil to actually get here once the drilling starts because they have to drill pipelines and build a pipeline infrastructure that uh, is massive in, in, in its size and dimension. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, a variety of energy policies pursued by this administration have hardly um, adapted to the reality of the oil situation globally. And any uh, reasonable student of World War II, uh, which George Bush obviously is not, would, would know that uh, one of the reasons that the Germans and Japanese ultimately failed was their problems with oil. Pearl Harbor, indeed, was attacked because the United States had embargoed Japan with uh, gasoline and oil. We were Japan's main supplier, and when Japan could not get 80% of its that's where they got 80% of their oil. Uh, they started doing some dastardly things in the Dutch East Indies. But uh, war machines can operate without oil. Uh, unless, of course, we want to reenact the War of 1812 and uh, the Napoleonic Wars.
that have uh, been so frequently romanticized in our media. Other disturbing news from last week. And this is just a brief item uh, from the Ann Arbor News. An internal audit of some $8 billion paid to U.S. and Iraqi contractors found that nearly every transaction failed to comply with federal laws or regulations aimed at preventing fraud, in some cases lacking even basic invoices explaining how the money was spent. Of the money paid during a five-year period from 2001 through 2006, $7.8 billion in payments skirted billing rules with some violations egregious enough to invite a potential fraud, warned the Department of Defense's Inspector General. Um, they had an update on that, uh, and this is just interesting, so I'll mention it, uh, a, a more detailed article about this in the New York Times by James Glanz. And uh, what caught my eye, or one of the things that caught my eye, in addition to giving more specificity about the violations and problems, was the Pentagon report entitled Internal Controls Over Payments Made in Iraq and Kuwait and Egypt also notes that auditors were unable to find a comprehensible set of records to explain $135 million in payments by the American military to its allies in the Iraq War. The mysterious payments, whose amounts had not been publicly disclosed, included $68.2 million to the uh, United Kingdom, $45.3 million to Poland, and $21.3 million to South Korea. Despite repeated requests, Pentagon auditors said they were unable to determine why the payments were made. Quote, Mr. Waxman, who of course investigates these matters before the House of Representatives, and who incidentally, uh, when the Republicans were in charge of this uh, oversight, were just absolutely AWOL, sort of similar to Dick Cheney and George Bush during the Vietnam years, um, <clears throat> investigating this stuff. Mr. Waxman said, quote, it sounds like the coalition of the willing is the coalition of the paid. They're willing to be paid, said Mr. Waxman, who later in the day introduced what he called clean contract in an amendment to the defense authorization bill being debated on the House floor. The amendment, which was accepted by voice vote, would institute a number of reforms, including new whistleblower protections and requirements on competitive bidding. Well, all that stuff should have been in place years ago. Um, Mr. Bush, this is what uh, the Iraq War is about, not freedom and liberty or our way of life. Uh, certainly some military contractors seem to be benefiting uh, handsomely from the war in Iraq at great cost to human pe people. Uh, just a recent uh, report that the United States uh, bombed a house somewhere, uh, quote, pursuing rebels, and it turned out they'd killed pretty much an entire family, and two, including two children under the age of five. Of course, the Pentagon expressed regret. Um... This is all very troubling, and it's 
seems to just confirm that Mr. Bush will not confront uh, what's actually going on in Iraq. And neither will the American people. I certainly loved this phrase by David Carr, giving the public indifference to a war that refuses to end. Perhaps a third statue should be added. Americans at peace with being at war. Speaking of which, another interesting breaking story uh, came out of uh, the London Times this weekend in which Jimmy Carter, uh, former President Jimmy Carter, has revealed that uh, Israel is in possession of 150 nuclear weapons, something that they have uh, repeatedly denied and certainly won't confirm. Uh, In one positive note, I want to congratulate uh, the successful landing of this probe um, uh, on Mars. I think that this is the sort of uh, wonderful science, and I do mean science, uh, that uh, the government sometimes uh, commits itself to. I am in favor of uh, these sorts of uh, scientific explorations of Mars, and I look forward to what, what they find. Uh, in more troubling uh, development, uh, the Chinese government, by the way, today reported that the death toll in the earthquakes, recent earthquakes, has gone over 65,000. Wow. I mean, that's gives you a scale of the catastrophe that they're dealing with. You know, 5 million people uh, homeless. Uh, I saw some news footage today um, on CNN of... Uh, couple of guys that were that built a raft out of boards and were floating going up a a river to look for survivors and see what they could salvage there were a couple of villages by the way that were just completely destroyed uh as boulders quote the size of suvs uh, came uh rumbling down the mountain so uh, hang in there well i'm being given the signal sign that we are out of time down here on gray matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. And do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next. (laughs) ¶¶